Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. And today I'm going to be talking to 35-year-old Mayo woman Rebecca Burke, who is making waves in the largely male-dominated world of film production. Her production company Assembly won Best Live Action Short Film at this year's IFTAS for the short film Wave, which was written and co-directed by Oscar winner Benjamin Cleary. The multi-award winning short also made the 2018 Oscars long list. She's a really great woman. She grew up in Mayo and she told me about her life and how from an early age she has been passionate about film and TV. So here she is, Rebecca Burke. Rebecca, I'm going to talk to you all about, you've done quite a lot in your 35 years, if you don't mind me saying you're 35. (laughs) Um, It's a good age to be. Um, So we're going to get to all that, all your film work and television work. But I just want to start in Mayo. You grew up in quite a big family. What What was your childhood like? Um, pretty mental actually there's seven of us uh, seven children and then including my parents nine um, and I think we're quite similar we'd be like the dark haired version of the Brady Bunch but <laughs> um, maybe not as happy clappy uh, we're in girl boy order all the way down in the space of ten years and uh, my parents finished off with twins so myself and my brother were the or the ending. <laughs> runt of the litter, they yes, say. Yes, the runt. Absolutely not. Of I'm the runt. <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of childhood did you have? Were you in a farming situation or were you like... Um, well, we, we lived in quite a rural part um, near Loch Con, um, So right at the bottom of a mountain near to a lake. Um, really beautiful. Yeah, very beautiful. And um, my parents would, would um, find the... Uh, I suppose the developments with um, kind of baby monitors and videos uh, quite amusing now because in their day they'd open the door and say out to the front field, you know, go for a run and they wouldn't be worried about where we ended up because we, you know, we always just naturally came back to the house. <laughs> when you were hungry. So, yeah, so when we all arrived down with uh, with baby paraphernalia and rules and lists and schedules, uh, I think... To a degree, they get ignored, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, because you have to expect that. With yeah. your free babysitting, you kind of yeah. have to take the other bit. Um, wh- when were you, sort of, did you get interested in films? Or were you particularly a child who watched a lot of TV or wanted to know about films at an yeah, early age? I've, from a very young age, I've always felt very passionate about um, about the film world in general. And I knew very early on that it was probably going to be the industry I was going to end up in. Um, but it was difficult because I came from a family of uh, lawyers, quite quite a legal family. Um, so when, you know, the youngest is coming up saying, I want to be an actor or maybe I'm going to be a director. And really all my family knew, um, you know, my dad in particular was that, you know, maybe wasn't the most stable of industries. And he was right. So um, again, I went to 
to school. I moved from Mayo to, to Dublin. I went to King's Hospital. Okay, so that was her secondary school. You, you boarded. In yeah. Okay. What was that experience like? It was a massive change. <laughs> I Well, you see, that movie Clueless was out at that point. So I totally missed the brief. And <laughs> I'm not going to delve too much into what I wore into school on the first day, but it was highly inappropriate. I thought they did I was not have a uniform. They, well, it was a boarding school, so... Um, oh, you could you, wear what you want outside of Yeah, you hilarious. arrived in in your casual gear. And I don't know if you remember the get-ups that they wore in that, but I, I do. thought, Clueless, this, yeah. this is it, I'm heading up to the city and it's time to <laughs> wear the right gear, which was completely the wrong gear. And uh, Did you realise pretty straight away when you saw everyone else, oh dear. Yeah, that was my first. Okay, you know, so had you tried to glam it up a bit too much? Is that way what you Way too much, way too much. So that was my arrival uh, into school. And it was a huge change because I didn't have any of my childhood friends um, and I was from the other side of the country. And Did so you have any resistance to being sent away for school? I don't really remember. I think the big issue for me was that I was getting separated from my twin, you know. So I I didn't want to be separated from him, but he was going to an all-boys school, so it was a bit a boarding tricky. boarding school as well. Yeah, it was a bit tricky. Um, I did toy with, you know, disguising myself and trying to <laughs> trying to get in. Yentl. I think he was, he probably was running in the opposite direction at that point. <laughs> but you were very close and you had that bond that we you are, felt. We're extremely close. I mean, the last time I spoke to him was, you know, on the way up here today, you know. So he, um, you know, he's, he's one of my, my best friends. And, uh, did he go into the law thing? He did, okay. but he's since stepped out of the law thing. So he, um, yeah, no, we're we're very close, and and he's a he's a huge inspiration to me. Brilliant. You know? So you're in King's Hospital, and yeah. I did that kind of idea that you wanted to do something in film just grow more and more. Like, and you know, it was it was just a passion that was there. Very much so. Um, but again, it was the 1990s, and. Um, I think no disrespect to the school because they were very accommodating. They did try to help as much as they possibly could. But, you know, when Career Guidance Day came along, it was, oh, we've gotten someone in from PR to have a chat with you. And I was like, but that's not really what I want to do. And so I did. I definitely had to carve my own way out. And when I was when we did work experience, you know, I went into RT um, I did some uh, running on uh, The Late Late Show. And that was when Gay Byrne was there. That was when Gay Byrne so was I'm there. I'm really interested in this, Rebecca, because yeah. I'm a big Gay Byrne fan. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but I am. I, I didn't. Okay, well, I am. So I just think that must have been fascinating being a runner on The Late Late Show when Gay Byrne was still presenting. Yeah. What was it like? Uh, it was amazing. And um, actually, it was, it was very brief. Obviously, I was only in there for uh, a couple of weeks. But while I was in there, the Cranberries came on and performed Zombie. Um, and that was um, that was a, a moment in my lifetime that I'll never forget because you could feel the atmosphere in the room. You knew, um, you know, it just it was it was indescribable. It was just very very special. And 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 of course, when I look back, I think I'm I'm very lucky even to have had that brief mm. stint in there, and it affirmed everything for me. I was like, this is what did it affirm? That it, I felt like I was in the right place. I. I just looked around the room and I thought, I want her job, I want his job, I want, you know, Dolores Reardon's job, I want everyone's job. You know, I just, I loved it. And I knew, I knew and I still know to this day how lucky I am to have known early on what I wanted to do and to feel, still feel the way I do because we spend so much time in work. It's really important that we, at the very least, like what you do mm. because if you don't, it can be 
extremely challenging. Do yeah. you remember watching Gay um, doing his thing and, and learning anything from him or sort of did anything strike you about the way he, he worked? I know it was only a couple of weeks so I'm not expecting No, no, I do, I do. Um, I mean, I remember I remember being very impressed by him. I, I also did a stint in the newsroom with Anne Doyle um, and was blown away by her as well. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're just the utmost professionals and they... Um, were beyond ahead of their game, so it was incredible seeing them in action. I, I was, I was just blown away. You know, so so that was when you were a teenager. Yeah. Um, where where did that take you then? Did that kind of, as you say, it affirmed that definitely this wasn't just a kind of flash in the pan or some yeah. notion you had. It was yeah. a real aspiration. So what did? How did you go about kind of? Making it happen. It made, I just became very determined. I'd also done a, a week in Wimmer Lane post-production. So I I loved the post element of it, but I, I knew that maybe it wasn't where I wanted to be, but there was something in that as well. And I was just kind of trying to weigh up everything. I started doing extra work on Fair City whenever I get out of school. And, you know, I was trying my hand at pretty much anything. And um, then my dad and... Um, I was going to say my mum, but really more so my dad and I had a conversation and he said to me, you know, this industry doesn't feel um, very stable. Um, and he and, and he was right in many respects. So he asked me, would I go and get a degree in law? <laughs> Sorry. <I'm... laughs> no, no, I'm not. I, I was never made for law. No, he, he did suggest that I would go and, and get a degree before I... I venture out into into the film industry and I agreed reluctantly. I'm going to be honest, I, I was a bit resentful of it at the time because I thought, but hold on, I know what I want to do. Um, and um, I wanted to go... Uh, Just start and yeah. start at the bottom and work your way through and learn, was, learn everything you could learn. Totally. I didn't yeah. want to go to Trinity or to yeah. UCD. I didn't want to do law. And this is, so this is when you were doing your leaving? He was having this conversation with yeah. you? Right, yeah, right. Okay. So there might have been a bit of the let's sit down and do the CAO form together and I was thinking to myself, well, I don't know about this now, Dad. But I, I, I went ahead with it and I, you know, with all due respect to him, I understand now, I'm not a parent, but I I, uh, I understand now as, a, as an auntie um, what and why he did what he did. You know, you have to make sure that you've put the So what did you end, end up doing? I went to UCD and I did the the arts course there in English philosophy of all things and uh, French and I um I really liked English actually I I, I loved studying that and kind of um, focused a lot on Shakespearean um, tragedy and and that was and, and I also liked philosophy as well but I'm I'm not gonna pretend it was anything other than a, a filler for me to just tick that box and I mean the day I finished college <clears throat> I left. I went straight back down to Wimbledon Lane and I asked them for a job. You know, it was, I was, it was blind determination. I know you say that you understand where your dad was coming from and mm. I don't want you to get yeah. into like dissing <laughs> your dad. But um, it is interesting though, isn't it? Because to me, there's another way of parenting as well that would be yeah. like, oh my God, here is somebody who completely yeah. knows yeah. Um, what she's up to. And, mm. and But I understand where your dad is going yeah. from because he's thinking if it all goes belly up, at least she has the degree, the arts degree. Oh yeah, completely. Did, was, there, was there that feeling like I should be actually using this time out in the world doing it or... You know. I think when I finally got into because I worked in in um, I worked in TV for a while, I did a bit of work in film, and then I went into I got a call from a guy who was in my year in school, and he asked me would I fill in in his dad's commercial production company, so 
for TV ads and I I was quite reluctant. I was like, oh, this isn't what I want to do. And I arrived into this company and I was supposed to be there for, for three weeks and ended up staying for four years, you know, and I absolutely loved it and this is what I've ended up doing this is what assembly is and I, I remember distinctly at the very beginning um, the two producers I worked for uh, Russ, Russell and Amory Curran um, you know who've kind of been like mentors to me I remember saying to them like you know should I go back to college and should I study this and you know Russ said no you, like you're going to learn everything you need to learn and more here don't go back um, so luckily that kind of I suppose like a little bit of resentment passed and, yeah. and he was right and I learned a huge amount, you know. So you went, that was your job after college then, was it? Is that So eventually I did a bit of TV, um, uh, you know, I did a, I worked on Test the Nation and um, a couple of other things uh, in RTE and then eventually I went into commercial production. Okay, so tell me about Assembly because that's where you, what, mm. what, what, a, what you do now and what yeah. you're a part of. But mm. that job, it sounds like, was very much um, informed what you went on to do in terms of your production company. So that, that, that job in, in Russell Kern was climbing the ladder. Um, it was, you know, going from being a production assistant to a production coordinator and shadowing two of the best producers in town, you know. So um, that was a hugely, they were hugely formative years for me. And then um, in 2010, I left Russell Curran and I opened up a production company with Russ's son, Stevie, who I'd been in school with, okay. and uh, another producer called Mike Donnelly. And we unfortunately launched our uh, new production company in tandem with the recession. So <laughs> it okay. wasn't great timing. Um, but we, we, had, we had nearly three great years. And in the end, it would serve to be one of the biggest uh, business lessons I would ever learn because I, I, and I think the guys would agree with me, I would never change anything about how that time panned out because uh, it, it gave me good, it, it equipped me well for, for assembly. You know, there was a lot of kind of understandable mistakes that we made. Um, and I think the most important business lesson I learned um, that I would always say to people is, you know, not, not to give up, but know when to walk away. You know, it's it's not a. I would never see Tidal as a failure. It was a success. Tidal was the name of your Tidal was yeah, the yeah. was the original name. It was a success. It was a huge success because it led to assembly for me and great things for the guys. Mm. So, um, and we were a little bit younger at the time, you know. Yes. So in 2012, I decided to open up assembly. Um, I have been toying with the idea. It's very difficult to still have one, like we were closing down Tidal and I had to make this huge decision about whether or not I was going to go out on my own. And with the encouragement of uh, an illustrator I represent now, Kitty Moss, and a composer I also represent now, um, Gareth Averill, I decided to open up this production company that was a little bit different to the traditional um, production company, which would be, um, for those who don't know, um, the traditional production company would just have kind of a roster of directors, whereas I decided to represent other talent. So I have photographers, illustrators and composers. Um, so I act as a, as a producer for my directors when we have productions on, so commercials. Um, that would be ads. That would be the, 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 any see. filming, yeah. yeah. And then for the other talent, I'm an agent. So okay. I would, yeah, so I would... Um, oversee their projects as opposed to be, you know, in the same vicinity as them. Uh, the turnaround would be a lot shorter. You know, I would it's I would um, liaise with the clients. You know, I would negotiate their rates. Um, I wouldn't 
I would hear their work um, and we would bounce off each other kind of, it would be, I wouldn't say it would be a collaboration, but I would feed back to them about the, you know, the music they're putting out or um, the, the, the work that they're doing. So tell me about a couple of the big things that you've done with Assembly that you're most proud of and that you kind of want to rave about. Um, I think the jobs that I enjoy working on the most are the ones that make a difference in society. So... Um, uh, recently, I did a, uh, I produced a campaign for the Road Safety Authority. Um, uh, so the Road Safety Authority went to BBDO uh, advertising agency, who I've done quite a bit of work with, and they came to me and asked, "Would we produce this um, VR experience called Consequences?" The virtual reality, so yeah. people can kind of be immersed in, totally immersed in this 360 world, and um, there are four unique story. Um, storylines and they highlight the dangers of drink driving. So there is a shuttle bus going around the country at the moment and uh, you get into the shuttle bus. And you can put on a headset. and put on a headset and you get brought into this world. And you get to experience firsthand mm. um, what happens when you make the, you know, careless decision to, to drink drive, you know. And on the other side of that, you also worked with Conor McGregor in a Burger King ad. I did, right? yeah. What was that like? I did. Uh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very different. Um, that was for, for a US company and he should have been, um, I think, originally shooting in the US and then um, due to his schedule, they all had to fly into Ireland. So I had to, to service the job, um, which was fantastic, you know, because... Uh, Usually you're getting calls where they're saying, you know, the budget's very tight, um, <laughs> but the timing was tight and, and uh, the budget wasn't as tight as it normally is. So um, that's nice to kind and of... And what was it like working with Conor McGregor? Um, it was actually on the same day as the IFTA. So my um, liaising with him was very brief. Uh, he, um, he did a great job. Tell me about The Wave, because you collaborated with Benjamin Cleary, who won an Oscar for Stutter. Yes. And he's a, a friend of yours from a, for a long time. Yeah, so Ben is a, is a, is a friend of mine. Ben and TJ, uh, they co-directed Wave. And I represent Ben in Assembly as a director. And yes, he's also, he's also a friend of mine. So um, he and TJ and I, actually before he had even won the um, Oscar, uh, the production of Wave was was well underway. Um, it's called a short, but it was a very it's been a very long journey. <laughs> Tell us about the the content. What's it about? Um, it's about a man called Gaspar Rubicon, um, who's uh, in a coma. Um, he's fallen and banged his head, and we don't know why. But when he wakes up, uh, he can no longer communicate in English. He's speaking a fully formed but completely unrecognizable language, um, which is baffling linguistic experts around the world and it's about his journey um, through that. And, and it's won loads of awards, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. it's been to all the festivals, Tribeca, yeah. and yeah, I know you have some exciting news um, which you can't tell the total detail of, but Not which yet. is going to catapult <laughs> it into a further kind of... Yeah, and look, it's been quite a journey. I mean, we started working on this in 2015 and when the guys first approached me, um, you know, I was I was a bit apprehensive and then I read the script and I was like, I shouldn't have read the script. It's great. I loved it. I loved the script. Ben's a fantastic writer, you know. Um, and they said, come on, Rebecca, we'll, we'll bang this out over the weekend. And I said, OK. And that was 2015 and <laughs> it's 2018 where we're heading towards 2019. But no, we, we released it in 2017. 
Um, and we were very lucky that we got to have our world premiere in Tribeca. And uh, we all flew over to New York and that was really exciting. And then since then, it's been amazing. We've played at 60 festivals um, worldwide. We've won our being we've won awards at 15 of them amazing so that's a, that's really nice including uh, obviously getting the IFTA which was a huge honour um, and one that we, we really wanted so we were delighted um, and yes we have some very exciting news incoming so if people want to keep their eyes on our social media channels it'll be coming out in hopefully the next uh, few weeks or, or month or so okay and uh, you talked about the road safety and, and you definitely are someone from, from your body of work that you like to combine the social issues that you're interested in too. You did some work for Together for Yes as well. Yes, I did. And what was that work? Um, it was predominantly shooting content for them. Um, their office was on the same street as mine and I just wanted to help however I could. Um, I felt very strongly about the campaign as we all did and... It was, you know, by the end of it, it was quite suffocating, I think, for the entire country. It was it was extremely s- stressful. It was, you know, I, I felt that we were going to do it, but you couldn't be, you know, 100%. And I think the whole country hit a wall, you know, in the days that followed. I know I drove back by the headquarters uh, the night of and, you know, all the heads in there, you know, they knew they had it. And it was just a very emotional moment um, and even the next day I went to the RDS with my sister and we were there and you know the the, the news was slowly spilling out and you know then I, I got back and suddenly there's just this wave of exhaustion and just to be clear I was not a major player <laughs> in the campaign I was the like I was just doing what I could um, so I worked on the the Together for Yes and Repeal concert in the Olympia. All oh, right, um, and uh, you know, so that we was were, a great concert. It was brilliant. Yeah. So we were interviewing all the performers backstage, and we'd done all the um, the videos pre-concert, and uh, really anything they needed me to do, I was at their service, as everybody was. You know, brilliant. what can we do to get the yeah. word out as much as possible and win this thing? And yeah. and we did. And you know, it's great to be part of that movement. Um, and, you know, everybody was down to the people who just went out and voted mm. yes that day. Yeah. Um, and it's just really um, nice to be living in Ireland in a time where, you know, that has been passed and gay marriage has been passed. And, you know, we're by no means out of the woods. I um, I was walking home last night and, you know, the, the homeless situation crisis in our country at the moment is something that's, you know, killing me and killing everyone and, it really, really needs to be addressed by our government. It really needs to be resolved. This isn't 100,000 people, it's 10,000 people. And, um, you know, we have a housing crisis again. And, um, you know, there are issues in our country that really need to be um, addressed. So there's a there's a lot more fights uh, to yeah, win. But, but, but that was that was amazing, an amazing yeah. thing to be part um, of. You're also working, going to be working with Amnesty International. I, I'm interested in this one on a project around free speech. Yes, so Ben... Um, uh, has written a piece called The Quiet World and um, it's about freedom of speech and we are uh, we're collaborating with uh, Amnesty International because we brought it to them we really wanted to do something for them um, we're at a point now where we're at the we're in the financing stage which is a very 
challenging stage for something like this. So um, we're not sure when it's going to go into production. But if anyone out there uh-huh. would like to finance us. <laughs> you like the cut of Rebecca's jib, <laughs> then, you know, you can reach out to her. So what else have you got planned and what are what are your hopes for the rest of your career? I, I really just want to keep doing exactly what I've been doing to date. I mean, I love I love my I love producing. I love it. And I love running assembly and I love working with, you know, I'm, I f- feel incredibly honoured um, to work with the, the creatives that I represent. They're amazing, amazing people. And actually, for anyone listening, assembly.ie, please go have a look at them. They're they're some of the, the most talented people in our country, I think. And um, I'm just very proud to be working with them and doing my job. And uh, I hope to continue to be able to do what I'm doing and more. You know, I like to do the day-to-day producing, but also, you know, a lot of the time that will be able to fund other projects that I feel passionately about. Mm-hmm. So um, long may it last, yeah. basically. <laughs> well, at least you got your degree as well, if it all goes uh, I know. <laughs> it was wrong. Is your dad uh, proud of you now? I think he is. Yeah, I think he is. Um, I mean, there's definitely confusion from time to time. I've had a couple of calls. I mean, back in the day when um, David Bowie was was with us, I did receive a call from um, uh, a friend of my dad's asking, saying that my dad thought I might be able to get tickets to (laughs) David Bowie. And I I had to say there might have been a bit of confusion. Why did he think you'd you'd have an in there? I thought that there might be, I think he might have thought there was a bit of a crossover between what I did and and what I actually do. But he he gets what I do now. And I think he's, I think both himself and my mum and, you know, my family are, are really proud, as I am of them and what they do. I suppose if you've ever any legal issues with the company, you have a lot of people oh, you can tap great. into. <laughs> a little WhatsApp group. <laughs> Brilliant. Rebecca, it's been so interesting talking Thank to you, you and so it's great much. to hear about all the things you're doing. And I know you're going to do a lot more. And at the best of luck and uh, with, the, with the exciting news you have coming and Thank congratulations so on, on it all. Thank you. That's all we have time for today. Remember, you can listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts on all the apps that are out there, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. And if you like what you hear, go to iTunes, give us a review and tell all your friends about it. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. We'll talk to you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.